The following content is for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as legal or tax advice, nor is a recommendation related to your specific situation. All concepts presented should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered through Veracity Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Capital Conversations, presented by Veracity Capital, a podcast talking money, speaking truth. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another edition of the Capital Conversations podcast. Mike Colopy and I are going to go through a bit of a market update. Obviously, the market has been a bit choppy as of late, to say the least, and we've fielded a lot of questions as to what we're seeing, what our outlook is, how things have changed over the last couple of months. And a lot of the things that Mike and I are going to talk through today are items that he and our CFO, Mike Mess, covered on a recent webinar that you can find on our website. So please do go out and check that webinar out. It's going to go into a lot of these concepts in more detail. You're going to be able to see the charts uh, and some of the data that we're going to reference today. But with that said, Mike, there's uh, a couple things that I want to make sure that we talk through that we've been getting a ton of questions on. One is the concept of recession, whether we're going to see a recession, how significant it might be, when it might come. The second thing is going to be volatility. Uh, Obviously, the market, again, has been very choppy, very bumpy as of late. So what are our anticipations around volatility? And then lastly, how should investors be really adjusting their perspective about the market, investing money, their portfolios, different things of that nature at this time? So with that said, we're going to jump right into the concept of recession. Obviously, that's probably the number one question we've been getting as of late. Uh, There's a lot of headlines, a lot of news media, talking heads, talking about recession, what that means. So I thought we would start, Mike, with just kind of going through the concept of inflation and and really putting that into perspective with what the Fed is doing. Obviously, inflation is at a a 40-year high at this point. You know, we're not used to seeing inflation at this level. So it's it's caused a lot of angst and concern uh, across the nation as to what does, what does this mean for us in the markets? Yeah, let, let's break this down first. So inflation and inflation readings, right? There, there are readings or metrics that come out each month which highlight what the inflation rates are in the U.S. and globally. Recently, we've seen inflation rates over 8%. What what makes that up, right? There's different components, real estate, food, energy, right? So what we're seeing is broadly across the board, the price of goods we purchase are much, much higher. Now, this is where it gets trickier. There's different components into that go into what's pushing prices higher, We have supply chain disruptions. Very clearly, we're having issues getting goods from China and elsewhere. That lack of goods, but still having a lot of demand, means people in the U.S. are paying higher prices because there's certain goods we can't get. We're also seeing stimulus still in the system from when COVID hit. We printed a lot of money as a nation. Uh, we distributed that to folks in need, to businesses, right? There's tons of money injected into the system. That creates inflation. We're seeing the Ukraine crisis. We're seeing energy issues related to that. That, again, pushes prices higher. So we're seeing all sorts of um, catalysts for higher inflation right now. And 
that can lead to some major economic issues down the road. So what happens is our Federal Reserve wants to combat inflation. And the main way they're doing that and the way we're, we're hearing most about right now is about them raising interest rates. So we're hearing about the Fed fund rates being raised, and that's in order to slow down inflation. Um, so the Fed fund rate, it's a, it's a key rate that a lot of things are tied to and a, a, a lot of other rates are impacted by. Their goal is to slow down inflation, but really they're slowing down growth also. So when we see rates go higher by the Fed, we're seeing mortgage rates increase. We're seeing borrowing costs increase. So if you have a business, you need to borrow to grow your business. Those costs are going up. And basically, it's pumping the brakes on the economy to combat this inflationary issue. Now, it is not uncommon for rates being raised by the Federal Reserve for that to lead into a recession. Frankly, it's it, 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 it could very likely happen. Yeah, I saw a stat, I think recently, Charles Schwab's Lizanne Saunders put out a statistic that said out of the last 13 rate hike cycles, 10 of them ended up in recession. Three of them ended up in being able to positively execute what they call a soft landing, which is basically where the Fed raises the the Fed funds rate. They raise rates to the point of choking off inflation, and they do it without sending the country into a contraction. So from the data, a safe bet would be that we're probably going to see a recession. I think that's right. I don't think it's going to be a deep recession, but like we talked about, we talked about the catalysts of inflation right now, supply chain disruptions, war in Europe, all these different issues. It's so tough to forecast because there's so many different elements that go into it. We don't know what's going to happen with China and Taiwan and uh, Russia and Ukraine and you know supply chain issues, energy issues. There's so many variables that it makes it very challenging to clearly forecast that there's going to be an inf- uh, a recession. Even more importantly, markets are forward-looking. The markets will react sooner than we'll truly know if we're in a recession. The, the recession is indicated by negative GDP numbers, and, and GDP uh, really comes out after, historically speaking, after markets have already reacted. So I don't think we can necessarily focus just on, will we have a recession or not? I think we need to look more dynamically at the markets and uh, what's happening with interest rates as well. Yeah, great point. I think a couple things to to help the listeners define or put some perspective around what we're talking about too is what is a recession? And there's a couple of different definitions that can float around there. The, the book definition is going to be basically two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. When we look at what we've seen year to date, 2022, uh, any sort of decline over 10%, you're looking at a technical correction. Once you reach over 20%, you're talking bear market. That's that's a very good point. Let's say GDP growth slows down dramatically, but it's still positive. And technically, we don't trigger the true definition of a recession. It's still not a great scenario, right? So I don't think the technicality of whether we're measured as being in a recession or not will impact the markets any differently, right? Negative impacts on the economy are going to ripple into the market. That just is what it is. 
and the markets can, you know, really read through those numbers pretty well. Now, as you said, uh, correction is really greater than a 10% drawdown. It happens on average, you know, I would say once a year, I'll go through the numbers here, but you know, you generally see a 10% drawdown from market highs to a drawdown, 10% once a year, very, very normal thing. You see, you know, a greater than that 10 to 20% drawdown. That's going to happen once every two and a half years. So again, when we're seeing markets moving and they're declining in that 10%, maybe, you know, close to 20% range, that's pretty normal. It, it's very painful when it happens. We all often forget about the past times that it's happened, but it's, but it's very normal. When we think more of a 20 to 40% sort of recline, like a more major bear market, as you said, that's usually where we're going to see the markets if we do truly have a recession. And, you know, I don't have the data here, the, the measures in front of me, but I, I think you're really going to see that sort of decline before we technically know we're in a recession. Right. 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 Uh, but that's the range you're, you're thinking about. Yeah. And we've already kind of touched on volatility. I think that's the next big question we've been getting a, a lot of commentary on. But before we go there, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. economy because we, we talked about recession. We talked about some of the key things that economists are watching. But as of right now, we're, we're still pretty hot. Things are moderating a little bit, but the U.S. economy is still going pretty well. Uh, and from what I've seen and heard, the, 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 the three things kind of as keys to watch are jobs numbers, consumer spending, and earnings, all of which are still pretty positive at this point. That's right. We we haven't seen a, a significant change in a lot of the key metrics from that standpoint. The key metric, just to go back to the, the, the Fed funds rate or interest rates again, those rates are used as a discount rate for equities. When interest rates are high, it actually pushes valuations of equities down. There, there's a little bit more technicality to it, but let's just keep it simple this way. If an investor can get 5% on a bond, there's less willingness for them to go out and aggressively buy uh, Apple, Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft, some of these very uh, growthy, successful companies. If you can get 5%, 6% on a bond, you're more comfortable scaling down equities and owning fixed income. Let's think about it the other way. If interest rates are one or 2%, that's really not enough growth or it doesn't feel like enough growth for you. You're more apt to purchase equities. And when we look at analysts and their forecasts on companies and growth rates, when interest rates are low, investors are just willing to pay more for those earnings, for those growing companies. Back to the concept of volatility. You talked about intra-year declines. What we're seeing right now, though it doesn't feel very good, it is relatively normal. There's a great chart that you guys covered in the webinar talking about going back to 1980. The average intra-year decline during that period is about 10% at some point during the year. It has very little bearing as to whether the market ends up positive or negative at the end of the year. So over that same period, the average end of year total return was about 14%. When you're going through periods of volatility like this, you know, you speak about bonds. I think that's the other challenge in this scenario. We're seeing uh, an entry year drop right now that is very significant and our, our, our stable piece of the portfolio, our bonds aren't as stable as we're accustomed to seeing them. 
So how have you guys been looking at that or talking to clients about the bond piece of the portfolio during periods of volatility like this? Yeah, great question. So bond volatility is extremely high right now. We have not seen volatility like this really since the 70s. What's happening in the bond market is being driven by interest rates, not credit. So we're not having issues where borrowers aren't paying back lenders. That hasn't been a catalyst for bonds losing value. What's happening is that interest rates are higher. And because they're higher, new borrowers have to pay a higher rate. So new investors can technically get those higher rates. All the existing bonds in the market that are already locked in at their rates, they're losing value because the new bonds have higher rates, right? So there's this inverse relationship with interest rates and bonds. And that's what's happening. It's much more mathematically driven than it is credit quality uh, or liquidity or some sort of issues with the bonds themselves. Right. You you couple all of those items that we've been talking about, that we've been watching with the fact that we are entering into a midterm election cycle. And politics, if they have done nothing else in the last decade, politics certainly contribute to consumer sentiment. There's a lot to say about politics contributing to how people feel about the markets and the direction of the markets, the outlook of the markets, for better or worse. So when you've got a market that does not like uncertainty, how should individuals think about this political cycle and these elections that we're entering into as it relates to their investments? I think the first and primary approach is having the right mindset and understanding how risky assets, equities, right? How risky assets react during times of uncertainty. Um, There can be major drawdowns. We can have bear markets. Things can happen like COVID that are very unforeseen uh, that shock the markets and your risky assets lose value. Um, volatility is a necessity for growth. And we're realizing that necessity, that volatility right now is just present as ever. And I, I really think that investors having the right mindset makes this experience a a bit easier to digest. Now, obviously, some of our listeners are going to say, okay, you know, that doesn't really help me. You know, I'm I'm stressed, right? What, what, What you really need to be doing when times are good, just as much as times are bad, you need to be managing your liquidity. It's always a liquidity question, right? We can't get greedy and put too much assets into places where we're going to be uncomfortable. Uh, We need to make sure we have our uh, reserve fund built up for rainy days when we need it. So a lot of this comes down to managing liquidity during good times and bad. I don't think this is a time to drastically adjust your portfolio. I think I think that time has has somewhat passed, right? We're kind of in the heat of the moment right now. Emotional markets are down. That's usually a bad time to make a drastic allocation change. And honestly, we're not seeing fundamental reasons as to why we would do that right now. So, so for investors, you know, if your life hasn't changed, if, you know, your situation hasn't changed, it's just your portfolio's down. 
this isn't a good time to say, right. you know what, I'm not, I'm not a growth anymore. I'm conservative and, and shift all your assets. Right. And, and I think that the $64,000 question during periods like this is, all right, do I go to cash do I, or I, do I go to a more significant cash position? There's a great chart that you guys went over in the webinar that goes through the impact of missing the best days in the market when you see volatility and then there's a subsequent rebound, what happens if you're missing that upswing? The study was put out by Morningstar. It's looking at investment of $10,000 over the course of uh, this trading period. And it's going back and looking at statistics back to 1980. And it's comparing staying in the market the entire time versus being out of the market, but missing the five best days, 10 best days, 30 best days, and 50 best days. So if you miss the five best days during the recovery period, you've got a 43% reduction in the rate of return that you achieved there. The 10 best days, 64% reduction. Uh, if you miss the 30 best days, 90% reduction. And if you miss 50, the 50 of the best days in that period, uh, when it comes to the, to the recovery, you miss 97% uh, of that return. Let, let's make it as real as possible, Charles. Let's hear the dollar amount numbers. So you invested $10,000 in 1980 and you, and you stayed invested versus you missed the best five days. So you stayed invested at the from 1980 to now. You invested $10,000. You would have $1.675 million. You missed the five best days during that period. Instead of $1.675, you've got $948,000. Missing the best 30 days, you've got $160,000. Yeah. yeah. So you, you start really detrimentally impacting your, your success rates and ability down the line just by missing a few days. Well, Charles, if I miss the few best days, am I also missing some of the few worst days, right? I mean, that that's the question most of our, our listeners, most people will be thinking about. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the, the best days come around the time when there are the worst days, right? Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is poor decision-making on timing. When you try to time the markets, you have to find the right way in. You have to find the right timing out back and forth over, you know, multiple business cycles, you're going to miss, you know, you're probably going to miss, you could miss badly at some point, And you're going to end up a statistic on the sheet about, you know, missing upside. And that, again, that, that goes back to, to managing liquidity and being able to stay invested. Back to our point, volatility is a necessity for growth. These periods are challenging, but Investment assets are on sale right now, right? If, right. if there's a sale signs at, at Macy's, everyone's running in the doors. If there's a sale sign at the, the financial markets, everyone's running out of the stores. Investments tend to be that one thing that people aren't willing to buy on sale. That's right. That's so, right. Yep. And to your point, you often say this, it's it's about time in the market, not timing the market. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this just goes to, to prove that point. Now, the last thing I want to end on, because I think that there are a lot of individuals out there who have over the last several years contemplated the concept of retirement, started looking at what that picture entails and what the steps may be to, to execute that. And then this set of circumstances within the market kind of shakes those those foundations of that thought process. So for retirees or up and coming retirees, it's a critical time because the first one to three years of your retirement period where you're no longer filling up the bucket, you're actually taking money out of the bucket. That return sequence is probably the most impactful set of years or returns that you could possibly see during your plan. So it's extremely important, as you say, to to manage that that cash flow stream, to manage your your cash and liquidity within your portfolio so that you can withstand 
potentially some volatility in those early years. That's exactly right. I mean, that, that's why we like to use the, the Monte Carlo simulation tool to think about the sequence of returns. You know, the, the, the thing I always like to think about is you don't need to spend all of this money at once, right? You're going to take a certain percentage, a certain distribution. Yes, having lower returns up front can be painful for your compounding and sequence of returns. But from the emotional side of it, it can be very challenging, right? You can say, wow, the markets are down 20% right now. I was planning on retiring this year. Yeah, your portfolio is down. But again, you're going to use those assets over your entire lifetime. It's not all going to be spent in year one. So you can't look at your portfolio and say, well, it went from you know 2 million to 1.7. Now I can't retire. I think you should be ahead of the schedule talking about where is your income coming for the first year, two, maybe three years. So that way, these sequence of return events don't have to throw you off as much. You can rebalance your portfolio naturally without having to uh, you know, be thrown off course from your retirement plan. Right. Great points, Mike. So let me summarize the points. We threw a lot of data at you guys. Um, but from a recession standpoint, obviously at some point we could, uh, we could very much see a recession or recessionary conditions. Inflation is definitely a part of that equation. It is a high right now. I think that it is very likely inflation to some degree comes down, maybe even the second half of this year. Some of it is transitory. Some of it is not, but I think, the inflation that we've seen in the last few years is not going to be the same inflation scenario we see in the next few years. So something to watch. The Fed is obviously a big piece of this equation, uh, watching what they do, how fast they raise rates. Uh, what does that mean for the economy? That's something that we're going to be watching, and, and hopefully you'll stay in tune for some of the commentary that we have there. Volatility. It is what it is at this point. Uh, I think that if you're nervous about the the choppiness in the market, certainly talk to your advisor. Find someone who can be an accountability partner. Keep those emotions in check. What we're seeing right now is relatively normal, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's fun to watch. So definitely uh, find someone to talk to and make sure that you're in the best possible scenario there. And then lastly, if you're one of those individuals out there, I think the big point that hopefully we drove home here is if you're one of those individuals considering retirement, make sure that that plan is ready and willing to account for times like this, volatility like this, especially in those early years. And if you don't have a resource or have not yet found a resource to uh, to analyze that for you, certainly reach out to our team here at Veracity Capital. We are happy to have a conversation with you. Head over to our website. Check out the webinar that Mike uh, Colopy and Mike Mess put together. It's got great information, great slides, great data. Uh, hopefully, we'll dive into some of these concepts even even deeper. Certainly, follow us here on the Capital Conversations podcast and be on the lookout for up-and-coming content that we're putting out. With that said, until next time, we appreciate you listening. 